You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Glory Days, part three of six. Enjoy. Are you ready for the word? God is good. Remember, Highway Church, we're, we're not religious. When we say the word, we're talking about the expression of God's heart, right? So open up your heart. Just receive the goodness of God in your life. Put your trust in Him. Let Him strengthen you right now. Let Him meet every need. What do you mean meet every need? By His Spirit. See, God's doing things right now in, in the town you live in and all of He's working. You know, He gives to you even when He's sleeping. And when you're sleeping, <laughs> he never sleeps, right? He gives to his beloved even in his sleep. That means us, right? Thank God he never sleeps. So he's giving to you even when you're sleeping. So when we come together, boy, we're, we're full of expectation. We're not looking for something to happen. We expect God and every promise to show up in our midst, right? Hallelujah. Father, we love you this morning. We're here because you're our Father. We're here because of what you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ. We have received Jesus as our Lord. We thank you. You are the way, Lord Jesus. You're the truth and you're the life. And you have ushered in the glory days of God in the earth. And we thank you that you've brought us into your family, that we are the very sons and daughters of God, and that your glory resides in us. We thank you for it all, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Glory days are here. Yes. Yes. Isn't that great? They're here. They're not coming. They're here. Amen. Through Christ, God has brought us into a life of ever-increasing glory. Isn't that wonderful? So at Highway Church, we study what God has already done through Christ. Not what He's going to do, what He's already done. You'll find that what He's already done is, is exceedingly more than you could ever experience this side of heaven. Okay? So at Highway Church, we study what God has done in Christ, and, and then we receive it by faith. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see, and we thank Him for it. So when we look to the Word of God, we see that God has deposited His glory in us. So we're right in the middle of our, our six-part series, Glory Days, and we know that the glory of God, very simply, is the supernatural life of God. The supernatural life of God. Let's look at our primary text, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So we're not hoping to experience the glory of God. We're not looking for that, that someday maybe the glory of God will come. It's in us now. We've received it by faith. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we, who with unveiled faces, how many? All. Who is this being written to? Believers, right? This is a letter to the believers in Corinth. Called, they called Corinthians. So whoever has received Jesus Christ, whoever has confessed Jesus as Lord, reflects the Lord's glory with an unveiled face, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is so important. Do you know that when Jesus was walking on the earth in the midst of His ministry, there was nothing about His external appearance that stood out? 
When they came to arrest him, they, had, they didn't know who he was. Here he was with his 11 disciples, and, 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 and Judas had to kiss him to show that this was the one. And I say that as it says, we all reflect the Lord's glory. And some say, well, where is it? I don't see any, any glowing light coming from you. See? They're trying to detect the Lord's glory with these peepers. Right, right. Right? It, it's a supernatural reality. Jesus in the flesh, if he were to walk into this room as he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there would be nothing external about him. He wouldn't be glowing. He looked just like a man. So important to understand that. He was doing amazing things. Some experienced them, some didn't. Okay? Some got mad. Some demanded that he show a sign, even in the midst of all that he did. Why is that important? Because we don't look with our peepers for the glory of God. It's inside of us. We expect it to manifest. We've got it, okay? Okay, so through Christ, God has brought us into this life of ever-increasing glory, and God has brought us into His family. Into His family, and He's deposited His glory in us. And it's a life of ever-increasing glory. Let's look at John 17. We just are so thankful for the Word of God. It, it brings us into a whole new life that is not possible in any other way. John 17, verse 20. We see that God has given us His glory. He's brought us into His family. Verse 20, this is Jesus talking. He says, I do not pray, and I encourage you to read John 14, 15, 16, 17. Some of the most powerful chapters in the Bible, because you have Jesus uh, declaring who we are and talking to his Father on our behalf. And he's talking, Jesus is praying to his Father. He says, I do not pray for these alone. Those are the disciples that were physically in his presence, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us. We're reading that very word right now, aren't we? What does he pray? That they all, every single one of them, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now look at verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, how, how much glory did God give Jesus? Like a, a, two cups? A cup and three quarters? You think that's a lot of glory? That's God's Son. This, the glory which you gave me, the supernatural life you gave me, I have given them. Who's that? All those that have believed in His Word. Well, I, I don't see it. It's in you. It's in you. See? The glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So we see that Jesus was the beginning of a brand new family in the earth. A family that was full of the glory of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, a new family that never existed before. It couldn't happen in the Old Testament. No one could be born again in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was an external thing. It could not change your heart. The New Testament is inside. 
Only, only after Jesus was born again, was born from the dead, could we be reborn. So at this moment in time, when Jesus rose from the dead, a new family was born in the earth. It was the very family of God. Men, women, and children that were full, according to Jesus, of the glory of God. The very same glory that was in him. That's just the Bible. Isn't that good? Now, this amazing family was prophesied of and described. This is 2014, like 2,700 years ago in the book of Isaiah. Let's take a look at it. Isaiah chapters, if we had time, we'd read Isaiah 59, 60, 61, but for time's sake, let's just go right to Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2. We're just going to read a few verses for time's sake. But Isaiah is often referred to or sometimes known as the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the gospels, the good news books, because they're full of Jesus. Well, Isaiah, more than any other, other than those four books, talks about Jesus. And it was written almost 700 years before Jesus ever came to earth. And he fulfilled every one of the prophecies. But look at Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This didn't happen in Isaiah's day. This is prophetic. For us, it has come. And the glory, the supernatural life of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Is darkness covering the earth right now? Woo, is it ever, right? It sure is. And deep darkness, the people, what's darkness? Murder, crime, rape, sickness, disease, lack, poverty, confusion, war, covering the earth, right? And deep darkness of the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his supernatural life will be seen upon you. Amen. Let's go to verse 19. Amen. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. You're not going to look to the world anymore for provision and answers, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory, your supernatural life. Now, lest anyone make the mistake of think he's thinking he's talking about heaven, he's not. Let's keep going to, to, or just down a few verses to Isaiah 61. Verse 1, now we have the very words. See, this is all about what would happen when Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? We have the very words in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, that Jesus declared and proclaimed about himself in Luke chapter 4. And here it is in Isaiah, prophetic. Okay? Which tells us this is the ministry of Jesus. This is what we have in him right now. We don't want to get into that someday mentality. It's now in Christ. Verse 1 of 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. 
He's upon you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because the Lord has anointed me. He's anointed you if your faith is in Christ. To bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Doesn't want to leave anybody out. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Why? So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. What does righteousness have to do with the glory of God? Everything. In order to experience and live in the glory of God, you have to be made righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oaks of righteousness. Fixtures of God's glory. God has made you to be a fixture of his glory, to be a conduit that radiates his supernatural life. Now we just read verse 3, right? Why, why at the end of verse 3, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. The living Bible says in verse 3, for God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. He's talking about those who are in Christ. You see that? He's planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. Verse 3 in the Amplified. Mm -hmm. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. That's you in Christ. Lofty. I like that. What's lofty mean? Elevated in condition and character. Seated at God's right hand, Ephesians said. That's, that's as elevated as you can get, right? Lofty, elevated in condition and character, strong, magnificent, distinguished for uprightness and justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord. God's done this, right? That he may be glorified. So God has made us these oaks of righteousness. That's why Jesus came, so that God could plant us in him. Now, through religion and unbelief, Satan has attempted to whittle down the church into just another charitable organization, you know, just like such and such. But we know better. We don't look to the organizations of man to discover our purpose. We look to the Word of God. We look to the Word of God and we see our purpose is not just another charitable organization, But our purpose is to shine with the very supernatural life of God. That when people would get to know us and meet us, they would encounter his presence. And God has done that in Christ. He's done that. So God's purpose for the church is very different than what Satan would say. God's purpose for the church is that he would be glorified. That people would taste him when they meet us. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Now that little so that is really important. That tells you why God did all this, right? We've been buried. Why would God go through such, such pain? Why would God sacrifice his only son? So that as Christ was raised from the dead. So that little as means just like Christ was raised from the dead, right? Through the what? The supernatural life of the Father. So we too, you too and me too, right? Might walk in newness of life. God raised Christ from the dead, not to start a religion, so that you and I could walk in the same supernatural life that he walked in. I like that. When you read the Word and gladly receive it, you begin to realize that God's glory is in you. And you're no longer looking for it. But you begin to experience it in your own life. I've had glorious times in my closet in the morning. Life-changing. That, that changed my future just by receiving the Word of God. That changed the, that day and the following days. So Jesus ushered in the day, quote unquote, of God's glory in the earth. He ushered in the glory days in the earth. Now we read Isaiah 61. Let's look at what Jesus said in Luke 4. Same scriptures. Luke chapter 4, the glory of God is in you. God has brought us into a life of ever-increasing glory, the glory day. So here's Jesus now, almost 700 years after what we just read in Isaiah, and he stands up in the temple, and he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and he declares that this is who he is. Wow, I would have loved to have been there for that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Do you see the confidence He had in His relationship with His Father? We should have that same confidence to stand up in the midst of criticism, which you'll get if you believe the Word of God, to stand up in the midst of ridicule, or, or shame that others would try and put on you for believing God. It matters not because God is your Father and you know what your calling is in Him to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. Look at verse 19. Here it is. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when, look at this, salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Prior to Jesus, this day was not in the earth. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Now, I want you to know when he says the day, he's not talking about a 24-hour period of time. 
Now, and I understand, I've heard pastors over the years misuse this, this uh, scripture. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And, and I've, used them, I've heard them use that in reference to this 24-hour period, whatever happens is God's will. Uh-uh. In other words, if it's a thunderstorm, this is a day the Lord has made, we'll rejoice in it. God caused the thunderstorm. No. Uh-uh. That's not at all what that scripture means. Let's look at that scripture. This is the day Jesus is talking about. Let's go to Psalm 118. He says, I've, the, the, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. And let's look at what that, Psalm 118, look at verse 22. Again, another prophecy of Jesus. That's, what, that's the benefit of the Old Testament is the prophecies of Christ. And you can't understand the Old Testament until you see Jesus from Genesis all the way through Malachi. He's the answer to the Old Testament. All right, so in Psalm 118, another prophecy, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Jesus quoted that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke of himself, right? This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. What is the Lord's doing? The birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. You will rejoice. We will rejoice I will rejoice and be glad in it. Wow. The, to go back to, or go to the next slide. It's Luke 4, 19. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. It is so important to know where we are on God's timeline. There are Christians today living under the Old Testament law. The Old Testament has been fulfilled. It, it was a tutor to lead us to Christ. It's the ministry of death and condemnation. We have, we're done with that, right? There, there, there are people that are alive today, Christians alive today, waiting for God to do something amazing so they can experience His glory. But He already did it. You cannot top what He did through Christ. And it's just the flesh that leads people to think that. Maybe they're frustrated because they're, they haven't uh, learned how to experience it in their own lives, so they're looking for it. But he's already done it through Christ. The day of salvation is here. When the free favors of God, wasn't free for him, it's free for us. When the salvation of God is flowing like a waterfall in the earth, the day is here. So this day began when Jesus rose from the dead. So this day began when Jesus rose from the dead, and it will end when he returns. We are in that season of time right now. Jesus ushered in the age of God's grace. The age of God's grace. It's important to know that we're in that day right now. Okay? Because God is not slow in keeping his promises. He doesn't want anyone to perish. You'll say, why doesn't that person get struck down with lightning? That's not the heart of God. God wants them to know him. God provided his son Jesus so the worst of the worst could be set free. So that the worst of the worst could come and become a member of his family and be changed. 
by his glory. So that's the, the period of time we're in. Now, Jesus in Luke 4.19, I, I, he was referring to the Old Testament year of Jubilee. I want to read something to you out of a Bible commentary, okay? Talking about what Jesus was saying here. I thought it was pretty good, so I want to read it to you. This is primarily a statement about the year of Jubilee, talking about Luke 4.19. When slaves were set free, the land reverted to the original owner and was not plowed, planted, or harvested, and all debts were canceled. This is in Leviticus 25. In declaring the year of Jubilee, Jesus was declaring the dawn of God's new age. It was to be a time of total forgiveness and restoration. This is the time we're living in right now. All right. Since the year of Jubilee primarily affected people who were in slavery, that was us, hardship, debt, Jesus is showing that he was concerned not only with mankind's spiritual needs, but also with their physical well-being. Along with the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, Jesus wanted to bring relief from suffering, sickness, slavery, injustice, debt, poverty, and oppression. Jesus' ministry was to break the chains that kept people in bondage. I like that. That's what Jesus did. So Jesus declared this at the start of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, and then he walked it out. He exampled and illustrated for us. Then he rose from the dead and deposited that same glory in us to do the same thing. So the glory days are here. Let's look at our last scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 20. The day of salvation is here. Wow. The day of salvation is here. The day of God's glory is here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 20. Again, this is written to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, right, those of us who've put our faith in Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. And he is. Here's his appeal. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this is God's heart to the world. He's appealing to them through us. Come back. Come into my family through faith in Christ. Verse 21. Here's what we just quoted a little while ago. He made him... That's Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, don't stop there. What's the next verse? Go right into the next chapter, right? And we know the New Testament wasn't written in chapters and verses, but they did that later to help us reference things. So he just said, we, we've got this ministry of reconciliation. We're God's ambassadors We've been made His righteousness and working together with Him. Verse 1, are you following me? Mm -hmm. We also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Stop waiting for the glory of God. Stop waiting for God to do something amazing. He did it in Christ. Receive it by faith and praise Him for it. Right? For He says, 
at the acceptable time, I listen to you. Oh, I wish I could be at that acceptable time. I don't know when it's going to be, though. And on the day of salvation, what day is that? I don't know. I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What? Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. That changes everything. So now I realize all I've got to do is believe that in my life. Stop looking for it and just believe it. God, I thank you that we're living in the day of your salvation. That now is the acceptable time. That this is the day of your salvation. What's he referring to? Isaiah 49.8. Oh, see, we have a little time. Just look at that. You don't have to. Let me just peek really real quick. Isaiah 49. Jesus quoting the Old Testament again. He's the fulfillment of it. Isaiah 49. Boy, there's so much in Isaiah. Wow. I don't know where to start. Verse 8 is what he's quoting. Uh, let's see. If, end of verse 7. Because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage that thou mayest say to the prisoners, sounds like Luke 4.19, go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves they shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall uh, the heat nor sun uh, smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them, and I will make all my mountains away, and my highways, highway church, shall be exalted. Look at this. So God is saying, verse 9, uh, I've done all this that you may say to the prisoners, so, gee, what do I got to do to, to set the prisoners free? Uh, do I got to fast? Do I got to pray all night? Believe. It's done. God said, I did all this so that you may say to the prisoners, be free. Everything that needs to be done for someone to experience salvation has been done, and all we have to do is believe. Oh, how I wish that had been preached. More in more churches. Often what is preached is, is there's, there's something we're missing. There, we just haven't quite gotten there yet. We've just got to do a little bit more of this or maybe a whole lot more of that. But God says, I've done everything that I needed to do for salvation and, the, and my favor to overflow in any person's life that you meet. So just tell them about me. The glory of God. The glory days are here. We're living in that day right now. We're not waiting for it. We're thanking God that we're in it. We're in it over our heads. It's overflowing in our lives. It's overflowing in this church. Thank you, God, for your glory overflowing in us. Glory to your name. Lord, you did everything that needs to be done. You did it. All that's left for us to do is receive it, is to believe it. We receive your word gladly. 
this morning. And Lord, your word is the focus of everything we do. It's our motivation in the morning. It's our motivation in the noonday and in the evening. We thank you that your salvation is overflowing in the earth, that we are in this unique period of time where your grace is available, the abundance of it, and the gift of your righteousness. And we, we just walk forward in your plan and purpose in the earth. And we thank you, Father, for your glory manifest in us. In Jesus' name. We're living in the day when the salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. God has deposited His glory inside of every believer. Stop striving and rest in Christ. Trust in Him and let God's glory shine through you. In Jesus' name, amen.